Ladies and gentlemen, let me welcome you back to the Midgar Minute, where today we're going to be digging deep into the Ultimania. This is a part two, so if you haven't Mm -hmm. heard part one yet, you definitely want to go back and listen to that before you get here. You definitely should. Regardless, if you if you listen to any episode of ours, I feel like you should listen to that last one, especially. It, it was a good one. It was a good one. But while you're chiming in, allow me to introduce my amazing co-host, Chris. Chris, what's up, man? Oh, Nick, I I am doing wonderful today. Wonderful. Thank you so much for introducing me. A wonderful me. Wednesday for Chris. <laughs> amazing. Well, what else is amazing? The Mosey Gang. Oh, they're even more amazing. Way more amazing than you are. I, these are the kind, generous, and attractive people who kindly donate as little as one gill a month. They hang out in our private Discord. We talk some shit. We talk some theories. We have a good time. But a huge shout out to you guys. You know you never need to do that. But again, huge thank you to Scott. Kyle, AJ, Danny, Kevin, Jillian, Brianne, Matt, Sam, Charlotte, Cameron, Garrett, Dan M, Ryan, and Petros. And if you, dearest listener, would like to join the Mosey Gang, just look for the link in our episode description or social media bios. Throw us as little as one gill a month, and your ass is in there. But we're really just happy to have you here. We know we say it every week. We're going to say it every week. Thank you for tuning in. And now... (laughs) Let, what do you say we get into it, Chris? Let's let's let us get into it. Do would you do you want to get into it? Do you want me to you want me to get in on us? I've been yapping for about ninety seconds straight. So if you <laughs> want to take the reins, let me get some water. I'm in. Sure, sure. Uh, well, if uh, for people uh, who didn't listen to last episode, we are going through the Ultimania, and uh, our our good old friend uh, Audrey on Twitter, who did the translations for the previous Ultimania. Uh, that we did an episode on previously. If you want to also listen to that one as well, uh, she is uh, I at I Mochi on Twitter, uh, and she does a bunch of other stuff as well. But uh, you know, give, give her a shout out. Uh, I mean, we're not personal friends with her, but <laughs> she's a she's a good member of the community. Uh, and uh, we're gonna start off here with a snippet of uh, Rufus. Good old, our good old pal Rufus Shinra, who big boy Rufus is, is definitely going to become a bigger player, uh, obviously as uh, the story progresses here. But a nice little, um, a nice little thing here about like what Rufus was, uh, why Rufus came to the Shinra Tower, and again, and we as we kind of described in the last episode, is that a lot of these little snippets that got translated aren't necessarily uh, well uh, save for some that kind of may may lead to something huge they're they're rather innocuous right where things where you're like oh well yeah but like they kind of give a little bit more definition to certain scenes right right and this one is like something that i didn't particularly think about of like him not necessarily uh you know i'm like thinking oh he's there you know because shit's going on right Right, but uh, there was a question, uh, an interview here with uh, Toriyama, and the question was, "What exactly was Rufus's goal when he stepped out on the helicopter and onto the landing at the top of the Shinra building?" And Toriyama responds with, "On the surface level, Rufus arrived at the Shinra building after hearing that Avalanche had plans to attack within the area, so he hurried over to the headquarters. Due to the good timing of his arrival, instead of being worried about his father, President Shinra himself, he instead assumed there might be some unfortunate events that will befall him." Perhaps he was prepared to take control should unforeseen circumstances arise, where he would have, uh, where he would have to bargain with others behind the scenes. 
which is very interesting considering a lot of what we've been talking about uh, and kind of with intermission and stuff that, you know, and, and we're, we're going to cover Before Crisis uh, sometime in the near future. And I know that Rufus kind of takes point in there, but we've we've posited before that Rufus might be working with Avalanche uh, behind the scenes. And I think them even freight or him even phrasing it like behind the scenes makes me think, hmm, so maybe that's giving things a well, little bit away. There. Let me let me punch him with one thing, because Audrey does correct herself and says that she mistranslated one word. And it's not that he was worried about what unfortunate events might befall him, but he guessed what kind of for- unfortunate oh, events see now, might okay, befall him. Okay, because she had she had the yeah. I I was reading the second, the correct translation, one on the bottom. Gotcha. And I don't know. Yeah, I think yeah, but there was there was a thing in the original where it's like it was more implying that he was worried about what was going to happen to his father, but it wasn't. It was he was more worried that he was going to have to do something instead of him worrying about his father. I think that was the the initial translation was more implying that he was worried about President Shinra and um or, I think or, can I tell you what I'm what I'm what my wild guess would be, my pie in the sky guess here would be. Sure. That this wasn't necessarily about President Shinra, but it's like if he knew President Shinra was going to die or that something might happen to him, he mm. would want to be there for when it was time for someone else to take the reins. You know, right. God forbid Rufus didn't show up for a couple days. Like, would Heidegger or Scarlet just like stepped in? Probably. And been like, hey, I'm running this bitch now? Heidegger would absolutely probably do that because 100%, Heidegger 100%. Was... And like, there already is that implied little, if not a rivalry at least disordinance between Rufus and Heidegger. Like Heidegger's mm-hmm. not happy taking orders from him. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the, I love, I still love that little scene with the two of them where, uh, he says, uh, he says to Rufus, Oh, Mr. Vice President. And he doesn't respond to him. And then, uh, Sung comes in and is like, Oh, Mr. President. And he's like, yes, that much is me. He's like that much, better. <laughs> much better. <laughs> Man, I the I can't wait to see more of Rufus because I feel like he's going to he's, he's another be fun. he's another character I think that is going to uh, aside uh, visually from the uh, uh, from the visual glow up that he has uh, I think he's going to be another one of those characters that gets a much better treatment in this remake and he's going to become much better of a character than he was in OG. Not that I particularly disliked his character in OG, but I feel like. Much like how we've been talking about how all these other characters have gotten so much more fleshing out, you know, I feel like Rufus can benefit from that. Hundred percent. If Rufus could just get the remake treatment, mm-hmm. like if we're just being honest, get the remake tri- treatment and fluff him out even more, and just take him beyond just like a character trope, he could be a really interesting character to follow around. Yeah, because I feel like even in um, in Advent Children, I feel like even his character in Advent Children was interesting to me. You know, of like uh, this guy who is kind of want to atone. He wants to atone, and you know, he's kind of like you know, he's had all these failures happen. You know, and kind of realized that instead of he thought he was the most powerful person in the world, but then he got slapped. <laughs> he got slapped in the ass by all the uh, all the weapons and stuff. So you know, I feel like, oh yeah, he just kind of he, he was made irrelevant at a certain point, right? Um, and I feel like this time maybe he might be more of a threat, but we also don't know how much of a threat 
because I still think that he is secretly a good guy, but you know, he's one of the, he's like a secret good guy, but he's in a position of power. In if anything, company. he might be morally ambiguous. You know what I mean? Right. He's like an anti-hero type. Yeah. Which I think uh, is, would be a good position to put him in because uh, he fits that very good. Like, I feel like he'll never be like explicitly good. But, you know, he still, I think, is going to act in his own best interests. But I think he's going to be not as objectively shitty as his father was. Right. <laughs> Who just literally, to me, was uh, in both instances of remake and OG of just like, yeah, this guy's just, I mean, he has ambitions. And, you know, you could say one thing or another about people with ambitions. But, eh, you know, he was doing a lot of things based on a bunch of theories. <laughs> You know, no, nothing entirely really confirmed. Right. Which I think a lot of people forget that he like he sacrificed all the people in Sector 7 just assuming that like, oh, yeah, well, you know, the Cetra are going to come back. Don't worry about it. We're going to we're going to find the place wherever the Cetra are and we're just going to live there or we're just going to take all their power from them. Exa- Either or. <laughs> exactly. And it just yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. You know, it's it you know, it's like people doing doing stuff like in the name of God or something, you know, it's, it kind of feels like in that same, almost in that same realm to me of like the crusades or something like, yeah, let's yeah, just, yeah. Almost kind of like a manifest like, destiny. Kind yeah. Of just vibe. like whatever we're, yeah. God's on our side. Who the hell's on theirs sort of thing. You know, it's like, it, it's, uh, I, I, I've just realized yeah, but now you, know, you could leverage, you could leverage the same thing at like, um, at the heroes of the story too. Cause they're mm-hmm. the ones who think they're fighting on behalf of the planet. You know, I yes. feel like I feel like everyone feels like they're fighting for something bigger than themselves, but it's not enough to make it right or good. You know, right. the heroes yeah, of the absolutely. story are actually fighting for the planet. That's what they have going on their side. Is they're right that yeah. they do have something bigger that they're fighting for. But I think that is something that you see is everyone is kind of fighting for something grandiose. Like President Shinra can he can um justify himself where he's like, Well, I'm selfish enough and like self preserving enough that I want to get to the promised land and yeah. all these people beneath me are even lucky that to I'm that, going to yeah, forge yeah, the path itself to that promised land. So whatever like, casualties there are, it's a very, yeah, it's a very, uh, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of figures that you could point to or that have a similar sort of like, I'm taking on this burden. You all should be thankful for me. I know I'm killing a lot of you and putting you in a lot of bad shape, but trust me, when it'll all be over, if there's any of you alive, by the time that we get there, you'll be able to reap the benefits of this new world that we're going to create. And that's always the part where their plans, like, you know, whenever any villain in any story kind of goes down this path of like, oh, I'm doing this to make the world a better place. And it's like, yeah, well, is there anyone even going to be left alive? But you know what's funny? I <laughs> think the that's end, the thing you know? I kind of liked about President Shinra is he wasn't silly enough to think he was making the world a better place. He knew what he was he, doing he was completely it. self-interested. Yeah. He, you know, he just knew that inevitably the rest of the human race was going to follow him there. You know, yeah. he's and like was, he he knew he like he wasn't like a dumb villain. Like he was, 
he was one of those smart villains that like he knows how much power he has and how how much control he has over things and it's like well yeah because i mean he literally threatened barrett with like all right fine if you want to get rid of me are you gonna take care of people when there's a natural disaster Mm -hmm. what are you gonna do like that scene alone sort of it didn't redeem president shinra to me but it made me understand him it made him an actual character yeah it made him yeah instead of just being like haha i'm evil man i'm going yeah exactly exactly 100% please hate me (laughs) but uh shall we uh move on to the next one yes this is is one i like a lot so this one actually goes into uh the inter into intermission into yuffie and scarlet from chapter Mm -hmm. two scarlet's secret plan so this references the line where Yuffie goes, don't play dumb now. We know you've been cooking up something super powerful. Obviously, they're searching for the, the powerful materia, the ultimate materia. Yuffie thinks she's got Scarlet cornered, but we get a little bit more context here. Mm-hmm. Even though Scarlet denies that any of it exists, we got Scarlet was indeed making preparations to carry out refining experiments to create special materia. However... Due to the plans of sectors of the Sector 7 platefall, this was postponed. If the platefall was a success, then her experiments would resume once more. Mm. Then we have a main story link here that says, The materia experiments that are referenced in this scene are the ones that Scarlet and her team were conducting in the Shinra building in Chapter 16. Mm-hmm. As the experiment was a failure, they gave up trying to create the ultimate materia through artificial means. However, later on in the story, she will find out that huge materia, which I think is supposed to be synonymous with ultimate materia, mm-hmm. can be refined in a Mako <laughs> reactor, among other things. Okay, so mm. a lot to unwrap here. Yeah. Let's let's go back to this first part, because this is what I found interesting is So the plate fall wasn't a success for Shinra? Yeah, that's I was I was it's, it's because they, didn't they kill were like, the people. Oh, if if is it that, was a success. Is it because they like, didn't get to kill anybody? Mm. Because or, the did that, or did they not happened? kill I mean because people definitely died for sure but I feel like maybe it wasn't nearly as much because there wasn't there a scene in in uh, the main story of remake where it was like oh well a lot of people evacuated and you know there were supposed to be more people because I think I mean in, in OG it was like literally everybody on, on the plate and below the plate just died yeah, just that was flat out just story. died and there wasn't anybody left there weren't any survivors to be like Hey, uh, Shinra did this really fucked up thing, which, uh, you know, I, I never really kind of thought about like, yeah, that this might posit an interesting, uh, dynamic for the rest of Midgar, because I feel like now that there are people there to be like, Hey, um, Shinra, I mean, obviously there's going to be a, a, a large contingent of people like, Oh, this is Avalanche's fault. But I feel like there's also a, a, a another group of people that will also, that they know, that Shinner was causing shit and they're the ones that did it. And there's even, it's funny that this, this stuff also comes up. The plate fall does come up in, in another uh, thing that we're going to talk about, which uh, frames, frames it in a, in a, in even a stranger sense than it already kind of is in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I am curious about, <sighs> man, I, I, it's weird that, what would be a failure? Like kind of like you're saying, like what would be a failure of this? It has you know, to be like, if it didn't if, people because the plate fell. Yeah, like that. Like how? Yeah, like it, like if the plate fall was a success, then her experiments would resume once more. Which, 
Yeah, that it, uh, unless they mean, like, that the plate didn't come down at all, would that be the failure, I guess? Or, like, because I guess the plan to, you know, take down the plate was followed through. Like, it did happen. Yeah, but, I mean, President Schindler was smiling as he stood over the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, like, it's... I guess it, I guess they're what they wanted to do was kill more people. Yeah, because I mean I'm 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 guessing. Well, I uh, we already kind of know it's like they they want to. Oh, oh shit! Maybe does this would this possibly tie into our previous theory that we had at the end of the last episode? The summoning of Omega. Does Shin does would pre, does President Shinra know? Here's would the thing. He, wait, I don't he would think know, so. wouldn't he? He would, but I think. What the thing that immediately pops into my head with that is Aerith saying that like Shinra is not the real threat. Yeah, so that and... that can't necessarily be Shinra's objective. I think Shinra's objective is the Promised Land. I don't think they're trying to summon Omega because mm. that would just defeat like the whole. Uh, yeah, I guess. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean because I'm thinking like oh because they're trying to kill a lot of people, but obviously I think that's more to like oh we get more people into the live stream. Maybe they were trying to stomp out more of Avalanche or something. You know, because I could see President Shinra maybe using his knowledge of Omega maybe to like, oh, we're going to tap into whatever. Or or maybe it could be something like, oh, you know, we could use Omega and it'll listen to what we wanted to do. And it'll be like, take us to the Cetra. And then that never, ever works. <laughs> so it would it would probably not work out very well. But yeah, I don't know, I'm trying. I I think I think maybe my brain, uh, my brain's going a little crazy just because of now I'm like trying to look for, I'm trying to look for ties anywhere else that might lead into, uh, the theory that we had last time. Yeah. <laughs> but I think yeah, I don't know. I I could see. Like I could see them knowing about it because that was the whole deal with Deep Ground when they introduced them in. Uh, in Dirge, they're like, oh, only the t- only the top higher ups knew about it, and not even all of the top higher ups because right. Reeve didn't know about them really. Um, but yeah, I'm curious. And then obviously, you know, we, the you know the huge material. I love I love the <laughs> no. The, I made a mistake before, so it isn't synonymous with ultimate material. They are two different things. Okay, yeah, because I think. Um, I, I just love that idea of huge materia. <laughs> they're just like, yeah, there's just giant materia that they're obviously, well, I feel like... what they used to um, combat to meteor in the original. Right, right. And I feel like, yeah, that is obviously uh, uh, meant to be like, oh, well, this is... You know, they had that scene in, o- uh, in Remake Original uh, to, you know, be like, all right, yeah, they're working on that stuff. You know, and that's like kind of... Uh, you know, obviously, they, they one of the many, many moments throughout this game where they're planting those seeds. And, uh, yeah, I think, the, the obviously, the most interesting about the thing about this one specifically is that it seems like maybe they, if, if, the, if her experiments were successful, would they have not dropped the plate? Is that what they're also implying with this? Is that mm, if, like... Okay if her experiments did work out that that maybe they wouldn't have to drop the plate I don't, it or maybe almost... they had a, maybe dropping the plate had to cut the line because avalanche was stirring up a yeah no that that actually kind of makes a little bit more sense so it's like mm. they originally had the plans right 
-hmm. But because Avalanche started shutting down reactors, and seeing as a huge bacteria can be refined in the in Mako reactors, here's mm. Avalanche shutting down these reactors. So they're going, all right, listen, we gotta drop the plate on them. We gotta we gotta that beef to up the, the live stream. Here. This needs to cut the line because now they've showed up. Yeah, maybe yeah. That this was maybe more of like, oh yeah, we'll do your little thing. We'll do your little experiments, Scarlet. And then it's like, oh wait, no. Well, the, now all this other shit is happening. So now we gotta uh, uh, scrap that. <laughs> now we gotta kill all these people and blame it on Avalanche because they're becoming more of a problem. Yeah, yeah, I I can see that. Yeah, that makes more sense. Mm-hmm. I think, but the, I think yeah, there may maybe it's just me maybe looking a little too much into this. Uh, this might be one of the more innocuous ones where it doesn't actually, <laughs> maybe not actually. I mean, it's kind of hinting, it's hinting at future stuff, obviously, but. Well, I'll uh, say that the, and here's a segue. The next one is definitely less innocuous and is pretty interesting, I think. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, and where we get, uh, we're going back to that scene uh, that little flashback scene where we see Cloud walking through Nibelheim and he's walking past Tifa and Tifa's like, oh, you're not paying attention to me? Or yeah, it's when they're little me? kids. And uh, the interesting part here is that this, uh, at the very bottom of this thing, it says, this is a memory that was altered unconsciously for an instant. The actual scene is that Tifa did not notice Cloud. Uh, which I think is very interesting um, because we already kind of know, uh, and if you played OG, you already kind of know that Cloud is a, uh, what is the word? Uh, an untrustable narrator. Yes. Know, like unreliable narrator. Unreliable, yes. Uh, and we kind of, it's weird that like this, even a small account like this is like, you know, altered. And it it, it, it it seems it almost seems like weird. But here comes the question. Why would Cloud alter it? Why what is going on in his subconscious that he would alter this scene from Tifa not noticing him to Tifa noticing him and him ignoring her? Mm-hmm. And I think it might tie <clears throat> and it's weird because he you know, it's not like he misremembers the promise. Or anything like that. Well, that's uh, not, to me, it's not a painful memory. This seems like a painful memory being rewritten. Which is yes. essentially what Cloud is doing, right? He's kind of boxing out all the painful memories. Yeah, and replacing it with, with either better ones or ones that just didn't happen. Right. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, yeah, his whole thing at this point is he's basically trying to rewrite his life. But also, like, he's, he obviously has the whole... Uh, you know, him trying to be Zack thing, but then that's also causing problems for his memories prior to him joining uh, right. Shinra. Mm -hmm. And, and he, I feel like that this might just be a thing like his brain trying to figure like it, it's like freaking out and it doesn't know how to handle uh, or, or it is just a, a good example of like, oh, this is a good uh, a physical representation of what Cloud is doing in his head. You know, like he is actively playing telephone with his own memories, you know, mm -hmm. and just being like, oh, yeah, it was like this. And, you know, I, I I would be eager to chalk it up as like, oh, this is like a childhood memory of his. Like none of our memories from our childhood are that, 
You know what I mean? Like we can't, I mean, there's probably some people that can vividly remember certain things, but like, even then I feel like a lot of our memories from when we were kids are, you know, we're we're old enough now to where it's like, yeah, maybe it didn't happen exactly like that, but you know. Exactly. Exactly. But I think what's cool here is that this was, um, this isn't anything new. I mean, the, this, the, the specific rewriting of this memory is new. But when mm-hmm. it comes to Tifa and Cloud, nothing's really changed here. Even an OG very heavily implied that, like, even as, like, even though that promise scene did happen, like, it's fairly heavily implied that Cloud and Tifa actually weren't really friends when they were children, but Cloud yeah. always wanted to be her friend. Like, he was the lonely right. outcast who wanted Tifa's attention. But everyone wanted Tifa's attention, so she never really noticed him until they got older and that promise scene came along Mm -hmm. and that 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 also kind of reminds me of the other the other scene like that that we sort of see when uh when we're with Aerith and we save those kids uh from those things and there's like that little flash of like she's walking uh Aerith is walking in front of him and then you see the kids walking Mm -hmm. and he goes back and is like oh it's the kids like chasing after Tifa and uh yeah, I yeah, I guess that 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 definitely checks out for me of like, oh yeah, okay. So we already know that Cloud was lying about many things and obviously this is sort of like the big twist in OG of like, oh, all these things that I told you I did, I didn't actually do them. <laughs> but and that's kind of oh, that's the kind of the central arc, I guess, of Cloud's character is like him coming to realiz- the realization that he is not uh, this crazy badass who's you know a war hero or whatever. Um, but you know it, that, and we I think we definitely talked about it at some point where it's like, despite Cloud not well, I mean he I guess he has the the S cells in him. I was like because he was he was not a <clears throat> he was not a skilled fighter beforehand and then yes. now he, he is doing soldier level stuff now yes but it, he's also implied that there is and this is something i hope does get explored in the remake is that even before he had those s cells in him there was something special about cloud Yeah, he did maybe have some like sort of latent ability he right? he got stabbed through his torso and he flung sephiroth into the live stream <laughs> he, picked, he picked up sephiroth with the sword that was plunged into him and threw him into the Oh man, that shit was really hype. Yeah, yeah I, just, dude, hardcore, I kind of forgot man, about metal. it until until you brought it up. Like, yeah, you know, that was really fucking amazing. So yeah, and that's something I hope they eventually get into. It's like, hey, who is this guy? You know, and yeah, the, and who knows, right? I think old because oh god, I mean, if you guys ever listened to our episode where we reviewed um, this short animation of the Nibelheim incident called The Last Order, Final Fantasy Seven. Mm-hmm. Um, basically is like an anime retelling of the Nibelheim incident and it is directed by Nomura. So the, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the Square Enix eyes were all over this and it kind of gives further context into that fight between Cloud and Sephiroth where when Sephiroth notices what Cloud's capable of, it almost amuses him. He's like, oh, so I can use you. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very much. And then. He's definitely taking advantage of that now <laughs> where he's like, oh, I could I actually really could use you yeah. because your 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 brain is mush. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Cloud's all smooth brain now. So like, oh, yeah, we could. Yeah, I could use this kid smooth for something. Brain cloud. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Good old good old Chad cloud. <laughs> but I think we've uh, covered everything on this flashback one. 
Yes. Uh, the next one is a pretty straightforward one. Uh, this one is about Chapter 8. It's about Reno and Cloud's encounter. And basically gives further context. Kinda, yeah. I was going to say, just real quick, kind of ties into almost what we were talking about of, uh, you know, this is another thing of, like, Cloud lying. Yeah. <laughs> and people being like, huh? Like, dude, what? Like, what? <laughs> dude, what? Yeah, so anyway, like, and it is kind of wild when you think about it. This dude's walking around literally like, I was soldier, first class. And then, like, Reno's here like, dude, those are my coworkers. No. Yeah, it's like, and I, and I love how they, they add this little thing of, like, you know, him, Cloud, saying, oh, oh, what, you know, what class are you? And he's like, first. And it's like, it, it says here that, like, since Cloud, uh, since Reno knows every single first class soldier he knows for a fact that he is not one of them you know like it's just a nice little detail of like that you know obviously at this point in in the timeline that there's really i i don't uh, well there wouldn't actually be any first class soldiers left at this point right not that we would know of not that yeah not that we know of and yeah and just to elaborate on what this uh section of the ultimania is basically saying because if we remember correctly when cloud says he's an ex-soldier reno doesn't necessarily not believe him yet because it's only when cloud says that he was in first class that he laughs at him and basically what this section of the ultimania elaborates on is the reason reno didn't laugh at Cloud saying he was an ex-soldier is because he checked his eyes, saw the Mako, and was like, oh, okay, okay, maybe. And then when he said first class, Serena was just like, dude, no. Like, I know yeah. those dudes. He's like, yeah, like, yeah. And I think he even says, like, oh, if you're going to lie, at least make it convincing or something like that. Yeah, or at say least, third at least class, be modest or something. Yeah. And uh, another thing that I like about uh, this thing here is that... Um, uh, Ardu says that the section notes that Reno is like a gangster glaring at Cloud. That he keeps assessing Cloud's eyes to see if he's telling the truth or not during the time Aerith is asking Cloud to be her bodyguard. And I'm like, oh yeah, because like I did notice that he, Reno kind of is like a you know assessing him, and I feel like Rude also kind of does the same thing where they're kind of like, what is what's going on with you? <laughs> like what is uh. What's going on here? But uh, I like that they give a little bit more. I think we've definitely talked before about how Reno and Rude, I feel like, are going to get a lot more. Kind of like how we were hoping, saying, you know, about, oh, we hope Rufus and all these other characters get more exploration. I feel like Reno and Rude are absolutely going to get more as well. I mean, we've already seen it. Yeah, we've already seen plenty of it at this point. But I feel like there's there's more... Hmm... There's more that they could absolutely do, I feel like, with, with these characters. And I hope... Oh, yeah. I hope... Uh, let's say, I mean, I hope they don't change them that much. But I also feel like I could I could totally see them being like, you know what? This shit kind of sucks. <laughs> let's get out of here. <laughs> let's... You know, we'll go... We're, we're not going to do, uh, you know... Because we, well, we don't really know at this point... Because we know that Reno and Rude are kind of not down for the greater, like, Shinra, you know, objective, uh, all the stuff that they're trying to do. They just they just do what they want to do. You know, they're just like, yeah, we're Turks, whatever, we don't care. And I would love to see them just be like, you know what? Fuck this shit. <laughs> we're out. <laughs> you know, because I feel like Sung, Sung is the only guy that we don't really know for sure. Like, we, well, we know that he is... 
loyal to Rufus. But, you know, I still I I still go back to that scene of them in the the Turks like meeting room or whatever, where they're trying to or Sung is trying to justify the plate fall. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, I don't know. I don't think that works, bud. <laughs> yeah. And they're just like I, I, I would love to see that. I would love to see them get pushed more and more to the point where they're just like, eh, but I, I get the feeling like they, if they, it's probably going to stay relatively close to OG in that respect. I could be, I could be wrong. Um, because I think they didn't, uh, I mean, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like in OG, they did, they didn't really explore, uh, Reno and Rude's motivations. You got a little bit of it enough, got, enough so that you knew Rude had a crush on Tifa. But. Yeah. Which, <laughs> which I'm glad, I'm glad to see that, uh, that definitely is persistent, persistent through this. Even though it was way more subtle now, but now I feel like they're they're gonna explore it more later on. But it's kind of fun because like they're the same they're the same class fighter like they're both brawlers, you know. It's kind of cool. Yeah. And uh, I'd say was there another there was there an, another part of this? Uh oh, about Aerith slipping up about him being her bodyguard. Which at first kind of confused me because I was like, why would that? Why would that be a slip up? But uh, I guess at that point, she wouldn't. I guess this this was implying that she knows what Cloud is. You know, I mean, obviously, because if she knows, even even if this Aerith is not uh, the 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 omnipotent Aerith that we uh, pretty much know that she is at this point. She knows Zack, right? And she know and Cloud basically is Zack to a T almost, ex- except for the hair. And this is this. <laughs> I actually found that clarification a little weird and honestly a little unnecessary, just because I'm like, yeah. Well, I mean, he's wearing Zack's clothes and he has Zack's sword. I think she could deduce it pretty easily, even without prior context. Right. You know what that's I mean? yeah. That's what I mean. Is like I think even without all that other stuff, like I wouldn't really classify that as a slip up necessarily. Yeah. Um, because yeah, she has obviously that prior you know even like 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 i was saying if even if she doesn't have all this other prior knowledge of all these other things that happened in the previous time or whatever uh you know they look exact i mean even just the sword alone it's like no one has sword it's not even like it's the same style sword it's the same same one (laughs) so like even then like that's why i feel like that is kind of clever on their part almost to try and hide the other stuff that we've been talking about of like her having this omnipotent sort of like she knows about the previous the og timeline and things like that because like yeah she would know like that this guy is and i mean to be fair, I didn't. Zach also fell into the church too, right? That's how yep. he met Aerith the first time. Yeah, same. It's the same. It's, it's same thing. It's the same yeah. thing. It's like poetry. It rhymes. Um, <laughs> uh, but I'm I'm just reading here real quick. Oh yes, uh, Aerith's slip up is connected with Toriyama's comment uh, when she said she has various memories that she tries not to let others know about, but in this scene she blurted it out. Which seems like a weird thing. I mean, it's tying into what we were saying, and I, I just real quick will want to read the uh, the interview here, uh, 
the question was, when Cloud and Aerith are talking in the church, visions of some appar apparition appear. Did something trigger these visions? And I'm assuming this is when he, when, you know, I, I'm assuming this is when Cloud's talking about, oh, her materia, and she's like, oh, it's good for nothing at all, and then he sees the visions of her dying. <clears throat> and Toriyama says, the materia wrapped in Aerith's hair uh, that her mother gave her was the, the catalyst for these visions. What Cloud saw was a scene that symbolizes what may happen to them in the future. And then another question is, when Aerith said to Cloud that he was a mercenary, it's written like it was a slip of the tongue. How does Aerith know that Cloud is a merc? Which kind of goes along with what we were saying. Of like, it doesn't really seem like a big secret, but Toriyama says, this, may, this is made clear in Chapter 17 that Aerith has a lot of various memories that allows her to know many things, but she tries not to make this known to those around her. However, one of the memories allowed her to know for some reason that Cloud was a merc, and she accidentally let that line slip. Uh, some of the whispers in the story are trying to steal away the memories that Aerith has within her, which I feel like is a bigger you that know, is a that yeah. is a bigger thing than all the other stuff that they were talking. Yeah, about. Yeah, the whispers like are stripping her memories away. Yeah, and then she and I think we talked about I think we talked about it before. Of uh, I th I think I think we covered this exact wait did we cover this one in the last episode now that I'm I'm feeling deja vu all of a sudden <laughs> like I feel like we might have covered this we covered one. this idea we didn't cover this scene oh okay yeah because like there was the because she has this yeah she has the scene in like her old bedroom where she where, makes a mention of this yeah yeah where it was like every time they touch me I lose a piece of myself yeah you know and I guess in that was an it, it was sort of. Uh, kind of left up to interpretation what that meant if that was more of like a like every time they the whispers come they take something away from her or you know but it's like no that's more that she has this these memories in her head of you know OG we're just gonna we're just gonna assume that that's what that is mm -hmm. um, and the whispers are trying to take that away because she's not supposed to know those things stop Aerith stop it <laughs> Stop! Stop knowing the plot. God damn it. Uh, yeah. So this is weird. I mean, the whole thing about like her knowing. Yo, that it's kind of funny because the whispers are doing the same thing to us. Yeah. You know, in a way, the same thing's happening to us. Is like we have these memories and like we know how it's all gonna go, but suddenly there's this interference, and now those memories aren't. They're not prophetic anymore. You know. I don't know. Random. Mm -hmm. Random high yeah. thought. Yeah, yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, I, I think that's <laughs> that's definitely something that's, it's really interesting. And I, I, I keep kind of coming back to, like, the whispers. Like, I feel like, I, I still feel like there is more to them for some reason. And, I, again, I think that might just be my brain trying to overanalyze every little thing. But I feel like there there's a bit more to them other than just like uh and we, like we don't really know because they didn't really explore the whispers i mean we know what they are i guess but we we just don't know like where did they come from like what what like how do they exist and i feel like we're probably going to get explore that maybe a little bit more in future parts because by the time when we find out who they or what they are it's like all right well yeah don't worry about that uh, Sephiroth absorbed them now. Don't worry about it. <laughs> it doesn't matter anymore. Their fate. Yeah, that's all you need to know. And maybe that is all we need to know. But well, I mean, I get... they did mention at the crossroads that like they are the there are the people who are trapped, like their plant, like um, and that's why they're howling. 
and stuff like that. You yeah, know what I mean? yeah, yeah. I just, I, I still, I, I feel like, I don't know. There's a, there's a part somewhere in the back of my brain that's like itching, like, like uh, I don't, mm. I feel there's something else there, maybe that we're, that we just don't know yet. But again, that could just be. <laughs> After the last episode, I feel like my brain uh, has switched to a different mode of like, oh, now I gotta have, now I have to question literally every single thing that I know about this game, <laughs> and and be like, is this really everything there is about it? Is there more? Are they not telling us yet? Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think it's all very interesting, and I don't, I still am a little. F- weirded out about the whole like oh she knew that he was a merc like i mean if you saw cloud walking down the street i don't think you'd be like oh that oh i guess he's there uh, goes that accountant <laughs> there goes yeah there there goes that uh that farmer walking down the street with that giant farming tool on his back <laughs> that giant hoe on his back he's he you know he doesn't need uh he doesn't need any john deere tractors he just he he is the John Deere tractor. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying anymore. But <laughs> with that being said, let's move on to the next one, where which is uh, kind of another uh, sort of uh, eh, just a little kind of I don't know. Not not a, not a huge a huge uh, thing or anything like that. I but, feel like uh, a lot of the ones that are left. Are you the yeah, things a lot that of we've these, discussed before? Yeah, I, I don't... Uh, yeah, I, I kind of... Uh, after the last episode, I was looking at the rest of them, and I'm like, man, I kind of feel like the rest of them aren't going to be... Then as... There's no <laughs> nuclear bombs in here. Yeah, there's yeah. The, yeah, there's no... Uh, you know, we're not going to get uh, surprise attacked like we did last time. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the uh, this was uh, just another one ex- uh, explaining that the, the reason why the Whispers uh, suddenly left Aerith's room well, when they were talking about them in... Uh, in chapter 17 uh, because they noticed the disturbance brought brought on perhaps by Wedge appearing in the building or the Sephiroth copy which I guess because around this time because well this is right before we discover that Wedge is still alive yeah this is right before he conferences us in from uh, Mayor Domino's office yeah and and this would also be around the time I guess where the Sephiroth copy would be throwing uh see this is what's interesting off the edge of the building i don't know this is what's interesting about this ultimania though right is we have a lot of this is coming from the new director toriyama who is working under nomura's wing and i believe he was the co-director in remake part one Mm -hmm. but it's almost like he's (laughs) there are many interpretations because you're seeing it right (laughs) here it's like oh could have been this could have been that i don't know how intentional that is or if that's um Hey, I'm not writing this thing. This is my understanding of it. I don't know. He's the director at the end of the day. I'm confident he's going to do great. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. But it seems like a lot of his answers can be, if not wishy-washy, like almost up to you. Yeah. And I wonder wonder how much of that is, well, they don't want to give too much away for future stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. Or that they're just like, like, I don't know. You're seeing brought on by perhaps Wedge. Or the Sephiroth copy. So it's like, yeah, maybe there's something in there that they don't want to give away yet. So they want to leave yeah, that or, open. Yeah, because I'm still, I, I'm, I, I am still thoroughly convinced that Wedge is alive. I mean, the fact that he was alive to this point uh, was pretty significant, I think. I mean, it was kind of the first, eh, not, eh, not the first, like, big, like, oh, this is different. 
Um, but it was kind of like, oh, like, this is weird, right? Then I feel like Wedge being in the Shinra building and that whole, that even even the scene where he supposedly dies, I just I feel weird about it. I still feel weird about it. Yeah, because we didn't, you didn't see the body. We didn't actually see him die. It is just severely implied that he is dead. Uh, and I, that's like, I think, uh, you know, especially considering what happens in the, everything in the game after that, uh, it's pretty like, Hey, if, even if we did see somebody die, they're not entirely dead. So, uh, it's, it's interesting that like, and it's weird that they would pick like the whispers would pick this moment now to be like, Oh God, like they, they're not, and they weren't exactly interfering with wedge either when he tra- was transmitting to them mm-hmm. you know well, yeah, no, guess... they, if anything they were they were circling Aerith, and like i always thought it was brought on because Aerith was explaining part yeah, of what was going on with them <laughs> and, and they like, were no! like hey shut up hey shut up you know <laughs> shut up stop telling them the stuff no <laughs> yeah i just i i love imagining the whispers just like no stop i mean i feel like that's what don't they, tell I feel them like, the secrets and that's what's funny is i actually feel like that's what they are dude like like the way she describes them at destiny's crossroads like these are the people who have lived and died who have returned they're howling in pain it's like mm. what's going on you know like <laughs> they're just like well, stop just stop it we just want things to be the same we don't want to have to go through this again <laughs> fuck because, yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, if you're a whisperer... Or maybe there could only be one timeline! Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, yeah, the whis- if the whispers are... Maybe, are they supposed to be, like, the people who died in OG? Could maybe. be. And they're coming back to be like, no, it's got to stay this way because if you don't do it, then things are going to get fucked up and that might mean bad things for people. Her because- exact words is what you heard just now were the voices of the planet, those born into this world who lived and died, who returned. They're howling in pain. And but okay, but then it goes here, Cloud asks because of him, Sephiroth, and Aaron says their their words they don't reach him. So maybe that's why they're howling, is because they're actually trying to reach Sephiroth because they yeah. oh because they know Sephiroth's about to absorb him. Mm. And they're like, oh my God, but if he can't hear us then, then we got to do. We got to talk to you. Yeah. So yeah, they could have been howling talk at the to party you. the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And we, we, you know, they were with Aerith from the very beginning. Maybe they're stripping the memories from Aerith because that's that. Those memories are like actually luring her into a trap. Mm, I guess maybe. Mm. <laughs> I, I love. I love how we got bored of these pages of Ultimania, so we just went back to this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, we should save this for when we're going to do the episode on it. Yeah, yeah. Let's not let's forward. not go let's not go too deep into this. I just I love that uh, even right before this one like yeah, I don't think there's going to be any other big things. Uh, let's just go look at the one that is awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's just yeah, let's look at the thing that's going to go bring us back to the we, we we're already reliving our glory days already. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, let, let we'll, we'll we'll save the rest of our discussion for that specific part uh when cuz we are going to do an episode exploring our theory from uh the previous episode. Right. Uh you know, if and if you haven't listened to that episode after how many times we've brought it up so far, I don't know what the hell you're doing with your life, but uh, you need to fix that. <laughs> um <laughs> But let's trek on forward. But let's trick on forward. So uh, and this is another th- one where yeah. it's pretty pretty on the nose. Nothing we haven't discussed before. Just clarifying the scene 
where Cloud gives the flower to Tifa and says here, Cloud tried to be cool doing something Zack would do when he mm-hmm. handed her the flower. And we all know that. We all know Cloud's trying to embody that cool hero archetype that yeah, Zack he, lived he's out. Trying, he's trying to emulate it and failing miserably. Well, no, no, I want to give it to him. He worked it with the flower scene. It yeah, worked. But, he, but here's the thing, is that Cloud is not nearly as charismatic or no. charming as Zack in no. any way. He's, he's, he's very to- lucky that he's all Tifa has left of Nibelheim. <laughs> yeah. Like Cloud, like he's trying, like I feel like it is so much like he doesn't know how to be cool. And it's like, oh, I think this, I mean, obviously this is what this is saying, but like he's, oh, this is what I think a cool guy would do in this situation. Yeah, and Zach you know? is that cool guy that he's and holding on the pedestal. Absolutely, because he doesn't know anyone else cooler in his... I mean, well, he did look up to Sephiroth until... And he, look you know, how that happens. So. He, until he, you know, did the big, uh, the big sad the to big him. The big sad. So, and then you we, know, it's like... Yeah, I was just gonna, I was just gonna wrap this up with... Then we got the thing where he's like, a guy could change in five years. And then Tifa's like, what? Because she mm. knows it's been seven. See now that part I didn't really pick up on initially because I didn't know how how long it had actually been. Like that part, I thought that she would have said, "Oh, it's been." F-, she reacted weirdly to it's been five years. Oh wait, no, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. No, I'm getting confused with something because I did know about this because we did. I think we talked about this at length. We remarked about it, yeah, because there was the the two year difference where he was in a pod, <laughs> and that's a thing. And part of what this is the one part that does add a little bit is that the book also notes that Tifa was very happy to receive the flower, although she was confused about why Cloud said five years instead of seven, which shows Mm. you that even though she's clued in that Cloud's eggs are scrambled, she doesn't know why. Why, yeah. Yeah, maybe, and maybe that's why Tifa doesn't press the issue because she, well, she kind of does a little bit, in at least in this initial segment. Well, I think it's out of her own curiosity, too. Right, she's like, I gotta figure out like what's going on. His, like, what, what's the deal? Yeah, yeah. like, wh- <laughs> why His would timeline you not know is this all messed basic up. Basic information. My God, y'all, the game. Honestly, the game, like remake and all the like the whispers and the change of fate. It literally just turned the player into cra- into cloud. Because like now yeah, our eggs just, are scrambled. We our don't even know what's going on anymore. <laughs> like it's just crazy. Yeah, and I I like that. Yeah, this kind of again adds like that little bit of context of like maybe that's why Tifa doesn't push too much with cloud and i mean Aerith. Aerith doesn't know she probably doesn't know about all the other stuff but that is probably what makes her push cloud a little bit more yeah. you know and being like oh hey do you have any war buddies exactly. like oh i knew a guy like you what was his name <laughs> his name was cloud.exe has stopped working <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, I think it's it, it adds a little bit more because we also I feel like we talked about how like it's kind of weird how Tifa is kind of like nonplussed about a lot of things. Like you could tell she's obviously worried about him, but she doesn't seem like you know like it, it bothers her, but she doesn't push she doesn't push on it, you know. And I think that kind of just ties back to her. That's just like her personality, right? She's not a very mm-hmm. She's kind of the not the antithesis of of Aerith, but kind of a little bit. She's she's more reserved and laid back, I guess. Right. And it's just like, yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem to be an issue that he's saying this weird stuff. <laughs> so as long as it's not 
doing anything bad, I guess it's fine, you know. Mm-hmm. But but she definitely is still curious about it, you know. But she she doesn't. I feel like she Tifa likes to put on a certain not not like a like not like an act, but like you know, maybe she does feel like she needs to. Tifa puts on a face. Yeah, she feels like she needs to shoulder all of these burdens on her. Right. Um, because she feels, because she, you know, obviously she feels bad about the Nibelheim stuff and, you know, uh, at the, eventually uh, feels bad about Jesse and, and everyone else and, you know, feeling like this is her fault. And even though she really had nothing to do with, uh, I mean, the Nibelheim in- incident, uh, nah, she didn't really do anything negative there. She was just giving them a tour. Um, and it just so happens that that was the place that Sephiroth decided to <laughs> to be like, yeah, I'm going to start my uh, revenge against the world uh, right here. Yeah. <laughs> against all these people who literally did nothing. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like any any little fleshing out, like I've said many a time on this, on this show. Is I love these little sort of little fleshing out moments of these characters just to give them a little bit more. Give them a little bit more of a layer. Of complexity, yeah. you know? And, you know, speaking of uh, the Nibelheim incident... Which, again, this next one is one that we've we've brought up many a time on the show. Yeah, um, where uh, when we first run into Sephiroth in uh, Chapter 2, and uh, he says to Cloud, Run, Cloud, run away, you have to leave, you have to live. Uh, which is uh, him repeating his uh, Cloud's mother's dying words to him, and that's why Cloud freaks the fuck out and calls him a bastard. Um, which, man, uh, really kind of ties into that whole, like, man, Sephiroth is just kind of a master manipulator, isn't he? Yep, he's trying <laughs> to break him. He's like trying he, to break like him. He knows exactly what... He knows exactly what's. I mean, hey, if if someone killed my mom and said the, the her dying words to me in like a mocking way, even though it doesn't initially like when you're watching it the first time, it you doesn't just think seem it's a Lion way. King reference. But yeah, you think <laughs> it's that, and then not only because he says that line right, and like I like that she included a little clip from the game here. Like he says that line to him, and then he finishes, and then he has a little smile on his face when he says it and then cloud like realizes he didn't realize at first what he had said i think because he probably tried to block those memories out but i feel like now that he know like oh you said that thing you fu- you bastard and mm-hmm. i'm going to swing my sword at you and then you're going to disappear uh but man um sephiroth kind of a I, you know i this might be a new revelation i don't know if we've ever uh, noticed this before sephiroth kind of a douchebag <laughs> You know, I know this. It's a hot take uh, oh, yeah. that no one else has ever had before. Completely original idea. Please do not steal. Uh, Sephiroth, kind of a dick. <laughs> Especially this this new um, uh, meta Sephiroth, which uh, I think I might call him from now on, just to differentiate. Meta Roth. Meta Roth. Meta Roth. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, yeah, I I th- I just I like that. Uh, this was uh, included in that just because it just it really twists that in there really just twist in what we already knew a little bit you know mm-hmm. um but uh yeah i think that that one was kind of straightforward as well and this uh, next one is a little bit juicy this one's definitely a little bit more juicy for sure uh would you would you like to 
Yes. So this is uh, circling around the chapter 14th Aerith resolution scene where she says the line, you can't fall in love with me even if you think you have, it's not real. And uh, questionnaire asks, Aerith says these lines, but what exactly was the intent? Now Toriyama says, and this is actually pretty cool. I love this kind of, I love this. At this mm-hmm. point in the game, Aerith is physically locked up in the Shinra building. And one thing, just for context, remember, this is happening in like a dreamscape. This is like in Cloud's dreams. You know what I mean? Right. He's asleep in the bedroom. Um, anyway, at this point in the game, Aerith is physically locked up in the Shinra building. However, through some type of conscience, she's able to use the live stream to bring forth an Aerith that has memories closest to the future. Jesus Christ. <laughs> her words not only are for Cloud, but she might also be speaking to herself as well. Despite what her words request, perhaps her true heart and thoughts are closed off. So this air so that is saying that this Aerith that we see is not actually her. It is a representation of her. It's a manifestation is, of her through the life stream. Mm, who has this knowledge. Kind of like how we are talking about Meta Sephiroth earlier. Yes. This is kind of Meta Aerith. In a sense. I think that's what this is trying to imply. That this is, you know, this is a one that, I mean, a, 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 uh, an Aerith that has memories closest to the future. Which is a very interesting collection of words <laughs> mm-hmm. to me where it's just like hmm closest to the future in terms of this reality or are we talk what are we talking here you know what i mean it's it's starting to like these are the things where i feel like they're trying to uh, it's almost like the them- that really could have been OG Aerith. Like, if you want to look at it that way, is she could have pulled forth the OG Aerith who's in yes, the life. This is a mirror. Because what's <laughs> interesting, dude, is like, and this is something the Laurel have to go into. Maybe the OG timeline and this timeline share one life stream, so that's why Aerith was kind of yeah. able to manifest. I think. Yeah, I think that's what I think that. Uh, that idea is kind of what makes this whole thing work, yes. in my opinion. Because like, if they if the live streams were separate entities in these different realities or whatever, then I feel like it would kind of it would make things a lot more messier. Yeah, <laughs> and it would make a lot of the things that we've talked about kind of not make sense in a way. Um, but yeah, this this is interesting to me because I mean I had just assumed that this was just Aerith projecting herself. You know, like this is just I'm doing a astral projection of me to you telling you, hey, um, you know, I actually think we're going to get to a place where those the characters who are conscious enough are actually able to talk to their OG selves. Right. Because that that's to mm-hmm. me is actually how this kind of makes the most sense. Because I mean, she brought forth that OG because Toriyama says here, um, what is it? She might also be speaking to herself as well. Which right. is why, like, she might be saying, like, you can't fall in love with me. It's not real. You know what I mean? Because she mm. has all of that knowledge and she's almost relaying that to herself as like, hey, that part of you that has feelings for Cloud, uh, I'm so sorry. Stop anyone it. who ships <laughs> Cloud and Aerith, I'm sorry, but it's just the way I interpret it. But anyway, saying that part of you that has feelings for Cloud, that's the part of you that misses Zack. You know what mm, I mean? And, and this and part I mean, and this cloud that you love is not the real cloud. It's a cloud trying to be Zack. 
Yeah, it, it is a it is kind of uh, it's a tangled it, web. It's a mess, dude. It's it's the the dollar store, Zach, if you will. It's a it's a mess. <laughs> now I I feel like that's a diss to both of them, but, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, and I was gonna say you, this could be further reinforced in the scene right before Cloud meets Aerith, where he sort of has this conversation with another Cloud, which who knows what that is. Hopefully, we get some. Yeah. Um, clarification on that but like, at the end that, of the day that could be that could be true that could be the true cloud inside of cloud that knows everything that's going on exactly but at the end of the day what's important to take from this is that Aerith, at the very least seems to have this power of manifesting a version of herself from the future yeah and i mean it's so there in plain english well not plain english because it's translated but you know <laughs> what i mean uh to to what you said earlier about like a point where some characters might be able to converse with their og selves i almost like when you said that i had a sort of flash of like when they're fighting when we're fighting like the big boss whisper right and yeah. we all see uh we see red 13 running with his cubs right yes and Red Thirteen knows what that is, because they yes. say, what, was, "What the hell was that?" And he's like, "A vision of what's to come if we fail here today." So, and we, and that kind of ties into what we were talking about that that piece that we talked about in the last episode, where Aerith touching Red was a passage of knowledge into him. Yes, hundred percent. So it's not that far of a leap to think that. Oh well, now Red Thirteen is on a similar playing field i guess in terms of knowledge uh, as Aerith is mm. so he will now have this but in the in the part that we read last last time it was kind of like there was so much information he didn't know how to parse all of it but i feel like as time goes on he is going to understand more and when we go back oh to, yeah we go back to uh cosmo canyon and bugenhagen uh i think around that time is that that will be the point i think when things are gonna start to maybe get a little bit more crazy right and i mean we already kind of had the feeling that was going to happen anyway because that is also kind of how it happened in og but with this extra extra layer of context i feel like that's when this new the way that things are going to turn out from this point forward i feel like that is also going to be the same point right where things are going to start making a bit more sense maybe not directly to us the uh the player but maybe to like maybe red will glean some more things from that yes you know now that he has all this extra you know context to all this crazy shit that's going on <laughs> but uh yeah it's man there's a lot of stuff here that is uh only serves to fuel the fire within me to to keep living uh keep living so that i can find out what the fuck is going on <laughs> Uh, with this fucking game, um, I don't. I now there was something that I, I don't have it here for some reason. I, do, are there any other ones for you? No, the last one that's the last okay. one for me. Yeah. So there was. I kind of mentioned it earlier about uh, the playfall. There was one. I don't know how I didn't send it. I don't. I don't know how I don't have it here and I didn't send it to you. But there was a snippet about. Um, rude and reno uh when when the plate was falling that um rude only initiated the plate fall because he was trying to save reno's life and that was the only way that he could reno had the trolley problem (laughs) (laughs) i can save one person whom i love 
or let or, thousands of innocents suffer. Yeah, yeah. Rude, Rude had a yeah, he definitely had a trolley problem moment. Um, and I just thought, I just thought, like it wasn't like a big thing or anything, but I thought it was just like, oh, like I mean, I already know that they're, you know, they're bros, right? They're they're super tight. But like the fact, like get you get you someone in your life that would literally kill yeah, get you thousands room, of people to save your life. You know, Tifa should, you know, fuck, you know, you know why I don't think Cloud and Tifa should be together? Because I think Rude and Tifa should be. Because <laughs> Rude would commit genocide. <laughs> I'm not a bad guy, but sometimes, sometimes I have to I do, gotta bad do bad things. things, especially for the people I love. <laughs> and then I'm sure people, I'm sure people who knew that information would be like, oh, well, I guess that means Reno and Rude have to get together now. And I'm like, oh, that's maybe, that, that's, maybe that's, I mean, maybe that's, that's, I mean, Look, you know they're they're kind they're kind of there already I guess they're homies. Look, they bicker like a married couple. They already. bicker like a married couple. <laughs> Look, I'm not saying that Rude and Reno wouldn't be a cute couple. I'm not, but man, it's kind of hard to just like have one dude friend and everyone not think you're gay. Like I yeah, feel like you need at least yeah. two dude friends, and yeah, because maybe... Rude and Reno were not vibing with Sung, they're just like I get man. it. Maybe we should go hang out with Tifa instead. <laughs> they have a they have They're having fun down there. <laughs> They're having fun. What are we doing? <laughs> killing, killing innocent people. people for no reason. Because we're ordered to. Um but <laughs> Yeah, I just I thought that was like a nice little again, a, a little thing that kind of adds a little bit of like, you know, cuz uh, you know, looking back on it, you know, uh, we, you know, we know that Reno and Rude were not really into that whole deal i mean even as it was going on remember like the they were in the helicopter and reno's like enough of this shitty ass play and all this stuff all like they they were very, they were very much not about it the entire time and uh even though i would definitely classify it as extreme to um kill a whole bunch of people just to save your friend uh i mean again that just goes to show how uh how tight they are i guess yeah <laughs> Like, oh, the, this is the only way that he's going to be able to get out of here with both of them alive. So, yeah, you know, just at the cost of, you know, thousands of people's lives. <laughs> you know, a small price to pay. A small price to pay. For the bromance that we all that we all need and love. But uh, as far as oh, uh, as far as I know now, I, I, I have not checked uh, Audrey's Twitter uh, uh, recently, there don't seem to be any new updates. There doesn't seem to be any new translations, and and I think I mentioned in the the last episode that I think she was just kind of doing this on the side. Yeah, she does uh, this for fun because she's a nice yeah. person. She literally in her Twitter bios uh, translates stuff for fun. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I think that there's a hashtag FF seven RUP, uh, which I believe that was the hashtag that she was using. Uh, so if you at home would like to read on uh, some of the things that we were talking about here, uh, go to that or go to her, her Twitter. Uh, I'm sure you'll find stuff uh, relating to it. But uh, with that being said, uh, is there anything else that, uh, that no. you would wa- want to mention? Or is there? No, I guess what, I guess what, what I'd say is that, like, you know, I think we're very fortunate personally. Mm-hmm. To be in love with a series that drips content and context in the off season, right? I think that's yeah. a cool thing, and it keeps us excited. Would... I like it a lot. This was fun. 
I think we should do that episode covering um, that theory we brought up last week. Mm -hmm. But I also think, and you know, you guys, you interact with us. You tell us what you want us to cover too. I think it'd be cool if we covered this two pass book with Aerith and Tifa. If we could try to get some information on this, get get as much of it as we can. Hopefully there's a a translation of that at some point. Um, I think I want to say that it's coming out. Uh, well, I think it is Japanese only for now, but it's uh, same with the I think Ultimania. Audrey has like a full on translation. I'll send it to you. Does. Oh, okay. So, Hey, maybe we will talk about that. Um, cause I'm totally down to, yeah, <laughs> I absolutely am. Uh, I think, yeah, all this stuff has been really good. Uh, I mean, some of the stuff was, uh, you know, kind of more straightforward and innocuous, but you know. Uh, I think even even the stuff that was kind of that didn't really give us you know the big uh, the big you know <laughs> fucking mind melting uh, uh, stuff that happened last time. Uh, I feel like I I do appreciate all this stuff and the fact that they're able to still do all this stuff without really giving the whole thing away just yet. Right. Because um, it's it it almost at a certain point it kind of might work to their detriment. <laughs> Because if there's only so much that they can talk about, you know, then it's just like, yeah, I don't know, just wait for the trailer, I guess. Just wait know. for it, yep. Uh, and, you know, they kind of figure it out that way. But I, I, I uh, like I've said before, this all this does is just re, uh, you know, it strengthens my resolve to, to, to see this thing through. Uh, as and I, I, it's very, it's very rare. Uh, uh, it's very rare these days that there's there there's a thing. That uh, that keeps like every little thing about it just like resets the counter for me of like mm-hmm. oh yeah, oh yeah just like oh this is great, or even if, if there's even a day that goes by when I don't think like I you know I'm not thinking about Final Fantasy VII every minute of every day, you know but so when I'm reminded of like oh yeah this is really great and awesome because I'm I'm unfortunately used to a lot of things being mishandled and and sort of you know kind of treated with fumbled. Uh, n- not care, you know. <laughs> and, yeah. So it's nice to see something that I care about also being treated and 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 made by people who also give a fuck about it and you know want to do a, a great job and make a new thing, you know, while also trying to preserve as much of what made the original thing special. Exactly. Uh, which which is you know it's a it's a tough task to 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 partake on, you know it's. I do not envy these guys for having to <laughs> ride that balance. Nor do I. But uh, I think, yeah, with that, um, uh, do you, we want to talk about uh, we have a, a thing coming. Yes, yeah. So if you've made it this far, you've proven that you could deal with us in large doses. <laughs> so I feel like it's appropriate to bring it up at the end as opposed to the beginning. But uh, this Friday, uh, at about approximately... 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Might be a little before, might be a little bit after. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to be streaming Final Fantasy XIV on mm-hmm. my The Landy Lodge channel, twitch.tv, the underscore Landy underscore Lodge. Uh, Chris, yourself, uh, Jill, and some maybe even some other Mosey Gang members will be joining us for that, which will be yes. a really good time. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm assuming it's, it's going to be you playing, and I'm going to be sitting there and... Uh, being uh, the peanut gallery dude we'll be chat dude honestly nothing would make me happier than me doing a- me ripping that game and we could just talk about final fantasy 7 like we do here yeah and you we know you know I mean? we'll do a little we'll do a little cross promotion thing here you know 100 percent. so uh, yeah that that is going to be on the, the 27th 
uh, for people. This probably meaning tomorrow when this episode tomorrow comes. night at so. around six o'clock. Uh, yeah, we'll and then straight. if uh, yeah. you know, just just uh, you know, if just in case you don't want to miss it or whatever, you can uh, follow uh, Mr. Landy on uh, on Instagram because you you you're very good about letting people know when you're doing stuff. Uh, unlike myself, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah. Uh, or if you know, I think we'll, we'll we'll also try to you know maybe we'll put something up on like uh, the Midgar Minute Instagram like story or something just to let people know or something. We'll yeah, we'll let pe- funnel people in that way or something. But uh, yeah, we'll yeah let- if, if that interests you, if you want to come hang out with us or you know you want to you know if you want to contribute uh, you know and be part of the Mosey Gang, you can come in, you can join in on the fun with us, or you know you can just hang out on stream whatever you want, or or don't you know you could. You could just disregard all this if you or, want, or don't. I mean, honestly, I'm floored. I'm floored. You make it this far into the episode. So hey, like, yeah, if you're already... making, you know, we're running longer usually than we we usually go. So yeah, if you made it this far, uh, you're you're a real, you're a real OG. You're a real OG. <laughs> and with the, with that said, what do you say we put a bow on this? Yeah, absolutely. Alrighty. Uh, why don't you do the uh, honors? Oh yeah, I'll, I was gonna say I'll I'll do it this time. Uh, three, two. One. Twitch.tv slash Landy Lodge. Cisnake remake. <laughs>